0: People are always going to be dicks to each other. Hello and welcome to episode number 179. Of the Random Thoughts Podcast. That is R A N D U M B Thoughts.com online. I am your host, Darren O'Neill. On today's show, a bunch of different stories and a bunch of different threads that all tie into social media, misinformation, and outright lies. We are living in interesting times. There is no question about it. The media landscape is one that I would have never dreamed of growing up, where all you had were the major newspapers, television networks, radio. And okay, I understand there were some fringe outlets at those points, but that is where a vast majority of people got their news. That has now totally changed with the internet people carrying around these little spy devices with them that you like to call a cell phone or a mobile phone, depending where you are. And what we have is the ability for everybody to pretend they're a journalist or pretend that they're a pundit. I mean, hey, that's what I'm doing here on the Random Thoughts podcast over on Planet Rage with Larry Blydner. And not unrelenting with Sir Gene. We're trying to get to the bottom of so many things by looking at multiple sources and trying to determine what is true and what is not true. I think I'm fairly good at being able to determine what is the truth, but. There are no guarantees because the types of misinformation and outright lies that are being used now are very convincing. We told you a long time ago about deepfakes, which means even if somebody tells you they have a smoking gun and then plays some audio or shows you a video that seemingly has somebody saying one thing, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's true. So the Joe Biden White House is trying to take this opportunity and hit it head on because Jen Psaki, the White House chief propagandist and some other folks got together on a I'm assuming it was a Zoom call, but one of those video type things Where you get a bunch of people together and have a meeting. They did a call with, I believe it was 30 of the most influential, no, not journalists, no, TikTokers, because I know that's the place you want to go to get your news. I mean, I know you're listening to a podcast right now, so you're crazy, but if you're going to TikTok for your news, then you're certifiable. But they had a call. With a bunch of TikTokers in order to, you know, nudge them, nudge them into the direction that they want them to go. To, of course, give them the truth, put that in air quotes, please, about what is going on in Ukraine. And no, there's no way this could possibly go poorly. Jen Pisaki on the call said, quote. We recognize how important your platforms are and how important it is to provide as much accurate information as possible to all of the people who are using their voices and their platforms to project accurate information. Jen Psaki does not herself project accurate information. Jen Psaki lies about so many things that it is almost mind-boggling. And I won't say that Jen Psaki lies about everything because that is not true. That is something that the left likes to throw around. They did it to Rush Limbaugh. They're doing it to others now. Ah, they lie about everything. No, you don't lie about everything. But you lie about just enough so that you can get away with it. Jen Psaki lied about the whole what they're calling the don't say gay bill in Florida. And if you're willing to lie about that kind of stuff, you're willing to lie about everything. But that's her job. Her job is to lie. Her job is to spin. Her job is to make Joe Biden seem coherent and Joe Biden's decision to choose Kamala Harris as vice president seem like it was a good one. So I mean, I almost feel sorry for Jen Psaki because her job is not an easy one, but then you go and get a bunch of TikTokers on a call and you tell them, well, we know your platform's really important. It's like, is it? How badly has the universe fallen if people are going to TikTok in the hopes of finding valuable political information, valuable information about things? that will affect their lives, if you're going to TikTok for that, again, you have much bigger problems. But Jen Psaki went on, because the best antidote to disinformation is the truth. Yes, Jen Psaki, that's why there are so many podcasts that will break down the things you say and show why they are not true, often not true at all. But Jen Psaki says, one of the big steps we've taken and made a decision to take is to declassify information over the course of the last several months. So declassify, this goes back to Barack Obama. If you're old enough to remember when Barack Obama ran for president, he promised all of us that his administration would be the most transparent administration that the United States has ever had. And guess what happened? It was not. It was far from the most transparent administration that this country has ever had. And this thing that Psaki's doing here, claiming that declassifying information is somehow akin to bringing you the truth, it's a red herring, it's another lie. Just because information is classified does not make the information accurate. Not at all. Just because it was classified does not mean it was true. The White House Director of Digital Strategy was on this call too. And I mean, let that sink in for a minute. The White House has a Director of Digital Strategy. His name is Rob Flaherty and he said quote we recognize this is a critically important avenue in the way the american public is finding out about the latest so we wanted to make sure you had the latest information from an authoritative source i think he might have meant an authoritarian source but you know that's just splitting hairs there this is the concept that the government wouldn't lie to you kids and if you believe that you're listening to the wrong podcast. If you believe the government would never lie to you, you also, again, have much bigger problems. One of the most interesting things about this call wasn't what Jen Psaki said about what was going on in Ukraine, because that is the company line that's being thrown out there. It's a Davian Goliath. One side is good. One side is evil. There is no room at all for any kind of context. There is no room at all for any gray areas. And that should also worry you anytime. A news story is only one sided. Always look for what is being left out. But what Jen Psaki is saying about things like gas prices didn't even bother me because we know that's the company line. They told the TikTokers, hey, you want to know why gas prices are going up? It's all because of that bad Biden. And uh, no, that's not true at all. Absolutely not true. If you look at what's been going on before the invasion into Ukraine, you will see inflation going up in the United States you will see gas prices going up, you will see energy prices going up, and that is all on Joe Biden and his policies. But people have a very short attention span and they will forget that this was going on before the invasion because they're like, oh, well, prices are going up and yeah, it's Putin's fault. And then they don't want to go back and look at the data They don't understand how things work. They don't understand why Joe Biden's assault, because he is buying into the ultra-left Green New Deal concept that fossil fuels are bad, don't understand that when you attack the fossil fuel industry and make it harder for them to do business, the prices on the fuel you need goes up. Barack Obama talked about that also when running for president. He said, uh, I believe, almost quoting perfectly here, because I just heard this quote again the other day, that his plan of a cap and trade system would mean that necessarily your prices on fuel would go up. The price you pay to heat your home is going to go up, the price you pay to drive your car is going to go up. That's all part of this system. To save the environment, even though we're still talking about CO2. And if you go back and look again at the data, you try to make correlations out of things. And is it that there's more carbon dioxide in the air, which has caused global warming? Or was it that the globe is warming, which caused more CO2 into the air? And that'll blow your brain out when you start looking at this kind of stuff. But back to the call. With Jen Psaki, the oh so honorable and honest propagandist that she is, decided to, in her talking about Russia, say this quote: "If you look back at 2014, and frankly even 2016, when Russia invaded Ukraine, and then in 2016, when they, you know, of course." hacked our election here, we did not do that, right? We did not declassify information. Jen Psaki making the claim that in 2016, Russia hacked the American election. That sounds like she's questioning the results of a presidential election in the United States. I mean, because if they hacked our elections here, that had to have an effect on the outcome. I think Jen Psaki should be investigated here. This sounds like some of that dangerous behavior they were accusing Donald Trump and his supporters of. Saying that the election was hacked in 2016 by the Russians. Wow, they're bad. See, this is it. This is the story. This The narrative has been going on for years. And you wonder, now that we know this was all a false narrative throughout the Trump presidency about the Russian collusion, was that just setting up people to believe that Russia is bad? Russia is bad? Russia is bad? And I'm not saying they're not. But the narrative gets pushed in such a way that it makes it a whole lot easier for these stories to be told. And for people to believe them, they don't want you to pay attention to what the other side is saying, and they will often make it seem like what the other side is saying is absolutely insane. Laura Logan, who has been a true journalist for a long time, said this. Quote, I really think there's so much misinformation. We've never really seen anything like it. I mean, I've been covering wars now for 35 years, and there's so much going on in Ukraine that nobody is talking about. And I believe that is 100% true. Trying to make what's going on in Ukraine a story of right and wrong, is missing out on the reality here. Ukraine has been involved in a lot of shady deals. If you look back at their history, even just with the Biden family, you will see this. But there are people that do these rankings of the most corrupt countries year after year, and Ukraine has often been near the top of that list. Over the past few decades, it is not a Davy and Goliath story here. There is a lot more to the story, and Laura Logan is absolutely right that there is more going on than the left wants you to know about. Logan went on to talk about the far right Ukrainian nationalist Azov battalion, which she says is funded by the United States and NATO. This is a Nazi battalion that has been in Ukraine for decades. She says, quote, I mean, you can find pictures of them online holding up the NATO flag and the swastika. And at the same time, their own emblem contains the black son of the occult, which was a Nazi SS emblem. The fact that these forces do exist in Ukraine, and it was broken down really well by my co-host Gene Nevtuliev over on Unrelenting, adds a level to what's going on here that the mainstream media is simply not covering at all. Lara Logan calls Zelensky a puppet and then says, quote, Zelensky was selected like so many of our leaders. And honestly, with big tech and with election fraud these days, we don't know how many leaders all around the world have been selected for us and weren't actually voted in. Now, that's opening up another can of worms. No question about it. We know there have been questions about the elections in the United States. Of course, if you question the 2020 election, You should be thrown in jail and you're an insurrectionist and you're bad. If you question the 2016 election and say the Russians hacked it, well, then you're okay and you can work for the president as his spokeshole. So, I mean, there's a difference of how you're treated there when you question these elections. And I believe that there are plenty of countries around the world where elections aren't exactly on the up and up. The United States, it appears, is the one that kind of selected the government that is currently in Ukraine. It certainly appears that they did help fund the current administration in Ukraine. No question, there's a working relationship there, as we told you in one of the last episodes. When people said Donald Trump was trying to twist Zelensky's arm to get information, was trying to rake him over the coals, the United States and Ukraine has a treaty about sharing such information. So there's no question the United States and Ukraine have ties. Do I believe that Lara Logan's absolutely right that we don't really know, which particular leader has been elected fairly? Yes. When it comes to the elections here in the United States, you have to find proof. Other countries, less proof is needed, but in the United States, you still have to find proof. And I think there is enough that things went on with ballot harvesting in the United States in the 2020 election to have caused a swing, but the things that were done we're not technically against the law, thus, they are not going to be prosecuted. Some people still think it's, well, we could overturn this and Trump could be put back in office. Those people are crazy. That is never going to happen. But the mainstream, the people that want you to believe that Russia and Ukraine are a Davy and Goliath thing and a black and white thing and it's a good and evil thing, do not want you to hear any dissenting voices, including that of Tulsi Gabbard, who has been accused of treason by Senator Mitt Romney. Tulsi Gabbard is an Army veteran, said on social media, quote, 25 plus U.S. funded bio labs in Ukraine, which if breached would release and spread deadly pathogens to U.S. slash world. She called for the sites to be secured to prevent new pandemics as Ukraine is under attack, of course, by Russia. Romney tweeted, quote, Tulsi Gabbard is parroting false Russian propaganda. Her treasonous lies may well cost lives. Yeah, I don't know about that, Mr. Romney. I do not know about that. Tulsi came back strong with her response saying, Senator Romney, please provide evidence that what I said is untrue and treasonous. If you cannot, you should do the honorable thing, apologize, and resign from the Senate. Evidence of the existence of such biolabs. Their vulnerability and thus the need to take immediate action to secure them is beyond dispute. End quote from Tulsi Gabbard. Now, if you listen to the mainstream media, including my go to source, Bill O'Reilly, this is not true. There are no bio labs. This is not US funded. This isn't happening. And the reality is. That doesn't seem to be the reality. During a hearing the other day, Victoria Newland responded to a question from Marco Rubio about whether Ukraine had biological weapons. That's what Marco Rubio asked. Does the Ukraine have biological weapons? And the answer from Victoria Newland was. Ukraine has biological research facilities. You know, biological research facilities, but not secret labs. But I mean they're biological research facilities, but they're not labs, no, but they're just research facilities. And she expressed her concern that they might fall into the hands of Russian forces. So it seems like Victoria Newland. Somebody that gets her hands dirty quite often, if you don't know her history, do a little research, you'll have some fun, seems to say what Tulsi Gabbard was saying was not Russian propaganda. As a matter of fact, it seems to be now confirmed from her that there is biological research going on in Ukraine and i mean you can let your mind wander in a whole lot of places there's a whole lot of things you could be doing biological research about or into and some of the stuff might lead to very dangerous things being dealt with and if so you do not want those to fall into the wrong hands what i believe your takeaway from all of this should be is to always look at multiple angles of what's going on. Look at what the other hand is doing. Pay attention when you're being distracted, what's going on in the background. And in this case, we're being told that Ukraine is absolutely innocent. They're the victims and the Ukraine people are the victims. There's no question about that. I also believe the Russian people Our victims. We're talking about governments in these cases doing really bad things and not telling the people the truth. And Jen Psaki, again, as much as she claims that she wants to tell you the truth and get the truth out there, is one of the largest spreaders of misinformation that there is. It's a crying shame at this point in our history where we have access to more information and more avenues of communication than ever before, that getting to the truth is harder than ever. But that is by design. Back when it was hard for information to move around the world, when it was hard for information to get from point A to point B, you didn't have the problems that you do now. And I firmly believe that this is nothing more than a tactic from the people in charge of corrupt governments, which most probably are, and people who want to push their own narratives in order to enrich themselves or whatever their goal may be, because the information is as free as it has ever been right now. I am recording this here just outside of Chirac, and when I release it, I can see from the logs that people are listening to the show in all corners of the world. So it is a great time for information to get out there, but since that is the case, the people who don't want you to know the truth about what's going on are working in a nonstop misinformation cycle to seed the doubt in your mind so you don't know what's true, and that has succeeded. As much as I believe I can get to the bottom of things and as much as I believe I can decipher the truth, with most things I cannot guarantee you that I'm correct. You have to question everything at this point because not everything is as it seems. There was a story out of a Catholic high school in Rochester, New York, that caught my attention. During class recently, the loudspeaker started blaring this message. Please pardon this interruption for this important announcement. This morning, we found graffiti in a high school bathroom that wrote out the N-word and said, get out or else. We are investigating this, and we will hold those responsible, whether they are mercy people, the name of the school, or not. Let us be clear, anyone who uses this language and is disparaging to our Mercy girls and Mercy community is not welcome at Mercy. So here we have it in the bathroom at this school, I'm assuming an all-girls school that said the N-word and get out. So the police were called in. This was investigated. I'm guessing, as a hate crime. But this was investigated. The students felt very unsafe. The students went out and they protested and they wanted to show their solidarity, which is a good thing. You want to support your fellow classmates, and that's a great thing. But the reality in this situation, again, is not what Most people would first jump to. I mean, unless, unless they've been following the news or if you've been following random thoughts, especially, because we told y'all about the story of Jesse Smollett. It turns out in this case that the perpetrator of the graffiti, the person that wrote the graffiti, was a black student. Journalist Bob Lonsbury broke this on Twitter, saying, quote, four sources, including two in government, have confirmed that the N-word graffiti found in a Mercy High School bathroom wall, and which led to upset and a protest, was written by an African-American student. So another Jesse case, it appears somebody trying to get attention. I mean, in this case, maybe less so because I don't think they want it to be found out. Maybe the stress was a little too much because it does appear, according to the report, that the student did confess under questioning that she wrote the graffiti. But now the school's original reaction was that There's no place in our school for anybody that would use that language. Are they going to kick the student out? I'm not sure. They won't even release the student's name because, again, privacy, most likely a minor. But it's an interesting concept yet again that you have to look at everything from every angle and the knee-jerk reaction when you find graffiti on the bathroom wall of an all-girls Catholic high school that says, quote, this school is filled with a bunch of N-words, get out or else. The knee-jerk reaction is to go, oh, my God, that was some racist, horrible white person that did that. The reality, again, like with most things in the world, is not black or white. It's somewhere in the middle. It comes from somewhere you're not expecting. And it's been way too easy for way too long for people to take your hand and lead you down the wrong path because the information that you have is suspect. No matter how much you believe what you're getting is the truth, you have to continually ask yourself, do I really know that's the truth? What makes the most sense? And that's not always going to lead you To the correct conclusion, but it will put you further ahead than a vast majority of the population. And then the final story that we have for you today covers a topic that I've talked about here on multiple occasions. This comes from the Wall Street Journal. The headline is California Bill Aims to Make Tech Firms Liable for social media addiction in children. And I bet my buddy Larry Blinder of That Larry Show knows where I'm going with this already. But the article says a pair of California lawmakers introduced a bill that aims to hold tech companies liable for social media addictions that may affect children. The bill would let parents and guardians sue platforms That they believe addicted children in their care through advertising, push notifications, and design features that promote compulsive use, particularly the continual consumption of harmful content on issues such as eating disorders and suicide. End quote. So this is insane. If you want to protect your children from the internet, don't let them on the internet don't give them a device. Trying to sue social media companies for making their platform something people want to be on is absolutely insane. The social media companies have only one goal, to keep people on their platforms for as long as possible. Podcasters only have one goal, To keep people listening as long as possible. Snack food makers. You know, the people that make your favorite potato chips. Their only goal is to keep you coming back for more and more and more. The goal for anything is to keep you coming back for more. To make a good product so people want to continue to consume it. What you're now saying is, well, the social media companies are doing such a good job that we should punish them for it. Instead of, you know, parents being parents and making sure their children are engaging in healthy behaviors. That's it. If you want to be a parent, parent. Don't be a friend. Do not give your kids devices. Do not let them have unfettered use of the internet when their brains are still mush and they cannot handle it. This bill the article goes on to say would hold companies accountable regardless of whether they deliberately design their products to be addictive. Again, every product is meant to be addictive. Well, you know, except maybe those things that you put on to stop smoking. The patches. But every other product out there is meant to get you to continue to buy more. Everything you eat, everything you drink. You think Starbucks goes, ha, let's come up with a drink that tastes so bad, nobody comes back for seconds. No, that's not how the world works. When somebody is putting out a product, they want it to be good. They want people to enjoy consuming it. And what you're basically doing right here is saying, that the product that they're putting out is too good, so we need them to, for the safety of our children, make the platform something that they don't want to be on. You know what happens when you make the platform something people don't want to be on, whether it's adults or children? You go out of business, and there is no product. So you know what the end result would then be parents who want to sue a company for making a product that's too good? Take the damn phones away from the kids. That's how you handle the problem. Make them go out and actually speak to people in the real world instead of the metaverse. Make them actually go out and play a sport. Make them breathe some fresh air. Make them not be attached to their phone, tethered to that thing, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I'm not saying that moderation is bad in this case or something that you cannot do. Perfectly fine. If you want to have the phone for your kids and be like, well, you get it for one hour a day, little Jimmy. That's fine. But what we have is now a society of kids who are addicted to the devices. They can't get off them because they're addicted to the interactivity. It's not anything to do with the individual social media platforms. And you can see that because it changes quite often. It was starting way back. What was the first one? Uh, I mean, there was probably like a GeoCities thing, but MySpace was probably the first one. And then MySpace went out of favor and then Facebook came in and then Facebook went out of favor and then Twitter came in and then Instagram came in and then TikTok came in. And something else is going to come in after that. The concept that you're going to keep kids or adults even from being like, oh, wow, look at all these people posting all of this stuff. I have to consume all of the information. That is not the fault of the social media companies. It is your fault for being unable to handle what you have in front of you. It's no different. I do not think McDonald's should be sued because there's a bunch of fat people in the country. I don't think Wendy should be sued. I don't even think the cigarette company should be sued. Once people know that it's really unhealthy and they keep wanting to do the behavior, it's on them. On them. Not at all on the companies. They're out there going, hey, I'm giving you a cancer stick for $5,000 a pack. If you want to keep spending it, that's great. It's your choice. Stop blaming other people for your downfalls, for your behavior. And if you're going to have children, for God's sake, be a parent. And not like, oh, no, we need to sue these social media companies because their products aren't safe for my kids. The world's not safe for your kids. The Wall Street Journal article goes on to say the bill is meant to push companies to, quote, bear some of the social costs that they put on all of our children. The social costs that they put on all of our children. Parents and guardians, it says, may choose to sue for the cost of psychiatrists, for instance. This is absolutely nuts. It's the parents' fault. Why are you going to make the social media companies pay? Because the parents are morons. Because the parents can't control their kids. Because their parents let the kids grow up when their brains were still full of mush and didn't say, hey, get that off the device. Mr. Cunningham, the California lawmaker, said it was partially inspired, this bill was, by the Wall Street Journal's reporting that Meta Platforms, a company formerly known as Facebook, found that one in eight of its users reported engaging in compulsive use of social media that affected their sleep, work, Parenting or relationship, according to internal documents. We all know about the Facebook whistleblower and all that. And a part of that coverage was that Instagram can negatively affect the self image of teenage girls. So, can everything, again, be apparent? It's not just social media that is the problem. A lot of what goes on when it comes to keeping children attached to their devices only happens on social media because that is the current method of communicating. If you were to take away Instagram and Facebook and TikTok and all of that and left the texting ability, the SMS ability, kids would be going back and forth there and that would be at fault because it's not the platform that it is a problem it's the behavior of the children it is the behavior of people are always going to be dicks to each other there's always going to be negativity going around it was the same way when i was in middle school grammar school high school junior high there were always fights going on there were always kids being dicks to other dicks not going to change now you just have a different way of communicating, but it is not the problem caused by social media. It's, again, parents not parenting their kids. People decide where their time goes, what they want to listen to, what they want to watch, what they want to interact with. It is just way too easy to blame external forces for this kind of stuff and not take personal responsibility and parents teach your kids take personal responsibility teach them about what is negative about the internet and if you give them a phone and you don't monitor what they're doing with it 24 hours a day 7 days a week that is on you that is not on meta as crappy of a company it may be it is not on tiktok as horrible of a company that may be that is all on you the responsibility for your children growing up in a healthy environment Does not fall on anyone but you. Period. Stop looking for people to blame. And Larry is absolutely right. This topic, this whole genre of topics gets me more riled up than most things because it is something that could be quite easily fixed. If people just understood the issues, it could be fixed. It's Fairly simple. Parents just need to do their job and parent. But I digress. I hope you get something out of these episodes. I hope you learn something. I hope you have a different perspective on things when you hear the topics that we talk about here on the Random Thoughts podcast. We are a value for value podcast, which means we put the shows out there. They're not behind a paywall. You get to consume them and then decide. If you got any value at all out of the shows, and if you did, and we hope that you are getting value, then put a number on that that means something to you. Was this worth a latte at Starbucks? Was it worth a vinyl record? Was it worth a steak dinner at your favorite steakhouse? Whatever that is, you put that number down and send it back to us in value by going to randomthoughts.com slash donate. You can use the donate button, which is PayPal, one-time or monthly donation. You can use the QR codes or wallet addresses to do the crypto thing. You can use the P.O. Box address if you want to go the snail mail route. And if you are listening on a podcasting 2.0 app, you can boost us right now. And if you don't know what a podcasting 2.0 app is, go to newpodcastapps.com and find out everything that you need to know. We do have one person to thank for today's show. Thank goodness not shut out. It is a check from Anonymous yet again for $25 and it is greatly appreciated. It helps us keep the lights on, the microphones humming, everything sounding good. So thank you for your support of the Random Thoughts podcast. A very happy St. Patrick's Day coming up here. It is St. Patrick's Day or it is St. Paddy's Day. It is never St. Patty's Day. If you spell it P-A-D-D-Y, that's okay. If you spell it P-A-T-T-Y, you're wrong. But no matter what, have a good St. Patrick's Day. And I will be back again next Wednesday with another edition of the Random Thoughts Podcast. Until then, I am Darren O'Neill. Thank you for listening.